This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mares more talented than Leroy Sane. Tevez a better player than Aguero. They're just some of the Manchester City hot takes we'll be diving into during today's episode. It's Tuesday the 28th of March. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm John Ashley. I'm Andrew Detmer. And this is the City Report Podcast. Unbelievable! Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. Chaps, uh, welcome back. International break nearly over. Andrew, how have you coped? Are you, you know, we're, we're at that stage now. We're on the Tuesday. All the international games will come to an end tonight. Then it's all eyes on the Premier League. Which, given some of the injury news, it's not, it's not, it's not the most exciting of returns for City in that sense. Yeah, I mean, uh, as a erstwhile fan of the U.S. men's national team, I had the pleasure of watching us uh, just run rush out over Granada and then we've got uh, the El Salvador match coming up tonight um, but you know we'll we'll see how it goes speaking of that Granada match interesting little segue John a Stockport County player scored for Granada against the US men's national team albeit it was a 7-1 defeat for the Granada team however the the announcer as you would say in the states the commentator referred to his team as Stockport United which um Angered a few Stockfordians. That's uh, that's a that's a sackable offence. Surely mm. Mm. we should we should we should get together and no, no, we don't get anyone fired. But still, that's really really bad. Yeah, yeah. If there's ever a reason for cancel culture to exist, it'd be on the back of that, and perhaps on some of these takes as well, which we're going to dive into straight away. Before we do, follow, subscribe if you haven't already. Rate and review. You know the biz by now. If you're new around here, it'd be great to hear your opinions on the show. And if you know, if you hate it, then sodja. Um, right, okay. Over the weekend, we asked for your Manchester City-related unpopular opinions. We got the hottest of hot takes. Some of them were. To too explicit to feature in today's show. You can, we'll, we'll retweet the tweet. We'll link it with this episode, so you can uh, go back and have a look at some of them. There was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, so we won't be able to get through all of them. However, we'll start with this one. A nice starting point, a nice easy one to ease ourselves into. A nice little start, like some falafel and hummus from American Citizen. Isn't the hottest of takes, but it's got a spicy enough edge. They say Riyad Mahrez had a more successful City career than Leroy Sane. 
Andrew, I've got no, I've got no qualms with this straight away. It, you know, it, it doesn't need a fire blanket. We don't need to get the uh, the firefighters out to put this one out. However, there is plenty of sentiment, let's call it that, towards Leroy Sane, and and some, you know, within this parish, the City Report pod, who would still yearn for his return to the club. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the issue with Leroy Sane is that he is a player that had all of the talent in the world when he was at City, and he still does, but he's never really put it all together. Um, and so while I think that maybe the heights that Leroy Sani could hit, and I think at times did hit for City, maybe slightly larger than Mahrez's, uh, there is a reason that Riyad Mahrez was a you know Premier League player of the year, that we spent the money that we spent on him, and the matches that he has won for us and the consistency he's had um, to me, just I, I don't think that that's too big of a uh, a stretch or even I, I really don't think it's much of a debate of if you ask me which player is more important in City's, you know, legacy, it's Riyad Mahrez every single day. I, I almost feel like Riyad Mahrez is a player who I, I, I don't really like the term underrated because it, first, first of all, it's banded about far too often, but you can be underrated and not necessarily be the best in the world or whatever else, whatever people claim. But I, I feel like Riyad Mahrez Johnny is a player who firmly fits into that category. And there, there would be arguments, perhaps if it wasn't for Mohamed Salah's impacts at Liverpool, that he could be up there with the best Africans ever to play in the Premier League. You know, City have had a couple of decent ones in the past, notably Yaya Toure, but when you think about the career Riyad Mahrez had and in, in this comparison, compare it to Leroy Sane, who for a lot of people seems to be at the moment the yardstick of what City are missing in that position. Riyad Mahrez is, is possibly a couple of gears above that. I don't know if that's stretching out a little bit, but he's certainly a fantastic footballer. Riyad Mahrez is a fantastic footballer. And I think if you'd asked, or you know, if, if that claim had been made two years ago maybe two and a half years ago it's quite possible that it would have been a lot more of a controversial take i.e it, it would have been a lot closer um you know a lot of people would have said no Sane brings more than Mares did uh, or does but I think Riyad Mares has upped certain areas of his game particularly his willingness to defend um that that that, that Leroy never really kind of got into as a city player um and his willingness to take levels of responsibility whether that's by giving assists or coming off the bench or by scoring incredibly important goals in crucial games that Leroy did as well but Mares recognizing that sometimes you know he has to leverage his individual ability to make that happen um, or take that responsibility to take a penalty or, uh, you know, rather, you know, take it on his right foot, on his weaker foot, which has improved immeasurably since he was at Leicester. Um, Just the thought of Leroy Sane attempting a shot with his right foot kind of makes me giggle a little bit. I just, I I, I don't remember him ever touching the ball with his right foot. Yeah. Um, And so I think... Yeah, because I mean, even his, that famous goal that he scores the counterattack against uh, Liverpool, Liverpool. isn't that with his left kind of across the body and it hits the post and goes in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I I just think that that Mahrez, Mahrez's willingness to be 
taught and adapt and like be out of the side and fight his way back um makes him far and far and away the, the better of the two players for city I love the idea when you said that Leroy signing never really got into defending as if defending is some sort of indie band, up and coming indie band straight out of college, you know, like that that niche <laughs> art of, of defending. It's kind of like running. It's like, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't know from personal experience because I still hate running. <laughs> but like there are people who, you know, who, who run a lot who are like, oh, yeah, you know, you just get to a point and it's like it becomes this like really addictive thing. I think they're lunatics, but <laughs> fair play to them. It was like with defending as well. Something clicked with Mares that he was actually getting more opportunities to score goals and make assists mm-hmm. when he defended with the team. And that was what I think one of the things that made City so successful in that kind of three year 2019 through 2022 period. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Riyad Mahrez, and it'll be a sad day when he goes because I think he's the sort of player we'll look back on after he's left and his legacy will will appear greater than it was at the time, if that makes sense. Um, right, okay, let's let's rattle through some more. A lot of them, unsurprisingly, had the, the Champions League category attached to them. So we'll kick off with this one from at Mac That Guy. They say, winning the league is no longer the objective, Free P, as in winning three league titles in a row, it's just about massaging egos at this point. Six Premier League titles from seven Premier League titles is not going to change things massively for us. The aim every season now should be to win the Champions League. Andrew, it's it's that last sort of sentence there, which is the main talking point from, you know, like I said, there's a a few similar ones here saying City need to prioritise the Champions League over the Premier League, blah, blah, blah. Um, Perhaps maybe it's my recency bias and and this season, given how things have gone in the league, given how things they look like they will turn out in the league. But I don't know if it feels like perhaps within the fan base, there's been somewhat of a shift into the attitude regarding the Champions League. And I think as well, Erling Haaland has has a place to play with that. He's always bigging up the competition. You've got you know, away from Haaland, you've got City players speaking about how much they would love to win it. It no longer feels like a sideshow. It feels like, you know, City could do with one as opposed to would have liked one previously. I mean, Pep Guardiola is desperate to win another Champions League, you know, sitting on two for as many years as he has. You look at these top players that City have in the squad, they all want to win it. I, I understand a lot of City fans, particularly those who our match-going fans are more local and have stronger ties. They may not view the Champions League the same way that you know global fans or newer fans do, but I don't think that take is incorrect in that it has to be the target. I think particularly with Erling Holland having arrived, sitting really should be expecting to win sometime in the next three years. And I don't mean that in the sense of that if they don't win, it's a failure, but that that needs to be the goal. What I would disagree with, though, is a squad like cities and a club like City is now cannot say our only focus is the Champions League. We should expect and hold the club and players accountable to going deep in all four competitions each season and not doing that. That is the failure. 
if you are mm-hmm. not competing on all four fronts, if you just been off one of the cup competitions or the league, because eh, it's not that I'm, that's a failure because you're a good enough squad and a good enough club to compete on all four fronts. And we should be expecting that of them at this point. I, I was having a similar thought in the shower the other day, which sounds more existential than it actually was. It's usually where I do most of my, my pondering, but I was, I was wondering why, why is it the champions league doesn't get me going as much as the premier league, which I suppose in the context of being in the shower is a strange thought to have. But um, (laughs) in terms of, in terms of, you know, it's this time of year most of my thoughts are about City and I'm planning the sort of the schedule and whatnot and I I think it's because for me the Premier League is something that starts in August and ends in May and it's emotionally draining I can think back to games earlier this season against Newcastle against Crystal Palace against Aston Villa games where City have had different results Liverpool away different different results different feelings sort of slipping in and out of it I only really properly started caring about the Champions League this season possibly for the round of 16 second leg because you can do that you can you can cruise yeah. through a group stage and uh, and I don't know John we've we've had a counterpoint here which I'll throw in and I'll I'll pass it over to you Pep Talk says the Premier League is always the first priority at the start of every season the Champions League is only the top prize when won simultaneously with the with the league title otherwise it's a cheapened fluke also few Premier League teams have won a free piece sorry fewer Premier League teams have won three Premier Leagues in a row than have won the Champions League the Premier League winner is always the best in the competition not the case of the Champions League and and I think that's probably for me where I align myself on this debate yeah I think I'm close to that as well I would also say to the original point that they would not I don't think that they, they would be tweeting that if it was United where Arsenal are right now and not Arsenal mm-hmm. uh, who, who are however many points ahead of City um, I think that that you know if that was the case then a lot of City fans would be like, yeah, the league, the league is the priority, especially with the, the tough Champions League draw that we've got. Um, they would be saying, put all your eggs in the league basket. Um, but at the same time, I do think that, you know, Andrew's, Andrew's point about competing on all four fronts and how many times that has actually, I think, disadvantaged City. Whereas you, you look at, particularly the the two Champions Leagues that Chelsea have won and how they've been absolutely terrible in the league to the extent that they won the Champions League both times with the manager that they did not start the season Mm. with. Um, and that does definitely, I think, speak to the... the so so are you suggesting it. that we should uh, fire Pep Guardiola <laughs> to win the Champions League? <clears throat> no, I'm saying that having a bad first half of the season where you go out of the cup competitions yeah. where you're nowhere near the league means that if you're in a position where you can prioritise the Champions League, it is a competition that, like the cup competitions, is, uh, you know, if, if you scrape through into the... the the later rounds, you don't have to be excellent early on or even have to win every game early. Well, you do with the cups, obviously, uh, mm. but not not in um, the, the group stages. Then you can you can afford to peak late in that competition, that, but you can't really do that in the league the way that it is right now. So, yeah. Um, but for me, I would say that the Premier League is always the kind of the barometer, the bread and butter, Champions League. I do think that City need to win it, and I think this is a really good season for us to win it if we're not going to win the Premier League, not mm. winning it to Arsenal, 
as a as a team is 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 palatable than than mm. a lot of the other options. So yeah, if we win the Champions League this season. It's a very successful season for City for me. Certainly, and and I will say on the back of that, this season I am looking towards the Champions League a little bit more. Obviously, with the context of the Premier League, and and, and I've said multiple times, I think Arsenal just have what it takes and they're having one of them seasons which is fair play and I wouldn't want City's campaign to be damaged by trying to track Arsenal down to the very last minute if it's not attainable in the sense of you know burning out plays for the Champions League and we'll continue this chat quickly before we move on to a separate point it's it's somewhat similar but it focuses unsurprisingly around Guardiola it comes from Lemore and they say I don't care how many league titles Guardiola wins at City. If he fails to win the Champions League with with all the backing and the money he has spent, then it, his tenure will be a failure. This seems to be one that sort of resides outside of the immediate City community, isn't it, Andrew, in the sense that people see City's record in the Champions League, uh, round of 16 against Monaco, I think it was two quarterfinal, no, three quarterfinal exits in a row, semi-final, final, uh, sorry, final, then semi-final defeat last year. Would it be a failure if if Guardiola leaves in 2025 and, and City haven't won the, the big year trophy? Or is it about perhaps Guardiola building City to a place on Europe where they are where they're able to compete. They're the longest serving Champions League team in the Premier League. It's almost weird to imagine City not in the Champions League. And I think that's probably where his legacy will be, as opposed to maybe touch what I'm wrong, but I, I I don't know if City will ever win it with Guardiola. So it's about building up that reputation within Europe. Yeah, I mean it, it's a weird thing because you have to you have to think about where City were as a club when Pep came in. And, you know, sure, we made a, a semifinal under, you know, Pellegrini uh, went out pretty, uh, I would say. Uh, Unceremoniously. With, yeah, that's that's a good way to phrase it. But despite the fact that we had consistently been in the Champions League before Pep, we were not a team that anyone necessarily feared in the Champions League. And that's certainly not the case now. Um, City has a long history. It's not a club that lacks history, despite what a lot of people online will want to say. But we don't have history in this competition. And I also think there is something to what Pep has said at times, which is that this club was is young in the competition and has to learn how to compete in it and play certain ways. And I think we've seen this season in particularly, this squad has started to understand how you win Champions League games and how you have to play. And so mm-hmm. for me, what Pep has done and built a legacy, we've never seen a team dominate domestic football the way that City have, where other clubs have the resources and ability to compete with them. There were not as many teams able to compete with, you know, Ferguson's Manchester United. What what Pep has done far surpasses that. So he, it's not a failure. What it is is that the ultimate goal was not achieved, but the other goals along the way that lead to that goal were. And so, to me, you just can't call it a failure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let, let's move on for the Champions League then. Um, before we finish for part two, here's here's a, a couple to rattle off. Uh, John, you can take this one first. Nolo Bryan says you are you are allowed to slag off City if you weren't at York away. Um, what do you unpack from that? Is that if you were or if you weren't? If you weren't at York away, uh, yes, you are allowed to to 
to slag off City if you if you were not at York away. Um, yeah, I think I think Noel makes a good point there. It's it's like you are allowed to critique and criticize. Um, certainly, I, I, you know it's been difficult to criticize a lot of the the football um, given the level that City have been playing in recent years, but. I think it is absolutely fair to criticise City as a an institution and and some of the decisions that they make as uh, a business and as a club, particularly pertaining to ticket prices. Uh, and yeah, I, so for, for me, absolutely, you can you can you don't have to be being a City fan doesn't mean that you have to agree or pretend to agree with every decision that the, the mm. club makes. Uh, Andrew, uh, Grealish and Calvin Phillips aren't good enough to play for Manchester City. That is from um, interestingly named Gaddafi. Well, uh, like the United States did to the other Gaddafi, I'm about to uh, ruin this guy's day because (laughs) (laughs) straight from the land of freedom. Indeed. Um, That's maybe the worst take I've heard. Uh, I mean, Anyone who's watched Jack Grealish for, I mean, honestly, since he came to City, he has always been at the level that to play. What it has been is that he hasn't always been able to put it all together and hasn't been put in a position to do what he does best. And this season, when you have someone like Erling Holland that he can play off of at striker, we've seen what Jack Grealish can do. I mean, Jack Grealish almost put us back through to the Champions League final. And we're, I mean... Basically, a hero's goal line save by Real Madrid, you know, ended it. So to me, that's insane. And then Calvin Phillips, there's, I don't think there's a single midfielder that we've signed under Pep that looked great their first season. Mm. And none of them, on top of that, have had to deal with the injuries that Calvin Phillips has had. We signed him to be a backup slash rotation guy for the six and, you know, kind of at eight and maybe do a double pivot. He absolutely can do that role. He has a lot of qualities that we like. When he was at Leeds, we saw what happened when they didn't have him. Like it just to me, you're making a judgment on a player far too prematurely if you make that comment about Calvin Phillips. Finally, then, John, before we we break off for a break, um, weird ass bum says City's old badge, and I assume they mean the the eagle and free starred crest, is better than their most recent one. What, what do you make of that? Um. I don't know. Just kind of speechless, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> as um, you know, if if the, if the the eagle had some, you know, if we were Crystal Palace, the badge would make a bit more sense. Um, the the, the old badge, but um, I, I think I'm right in saying that the reason why we had to move to that badge was because. Uh, somebody else like a news agents or something something of that level had copyrighted the old city badge and so city could no longer use it because they <laughs> failed to register the copyright which sounds ridiculous but also sounds entirely on point for city in the mid 90s yeah um, yeah that is that is also the, the three stars that just represent nothing <laughs> that is, yeah it, yeah, that 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 kind of that is the business equivalent of keeping the ball in the corner at two two when you need to score to stay in mm. the Premier League, and 
yeah i mean that you know that I'm, I'm just looking at it on, on amos's screen right now he's, he's looking over his shoulder as well it's you know it definitely holds a lot of nostalgia for me that badge mm-hmm. but you know the new one uh or the the updated version of the old one whatever you want to call it is just so much more kind of entrenched in history um and you know what it has the the 1894 on it it has the manchester ship canal it has the three rivers like you know it has everything that kind of makes city city and so mm. um yeah big fan of the big fan of the new badge and it was done with fan consultation as well and you look at the Precisely. the badges throughout city's history and you know the only one that that leaps out as the as the outlier is the the eagle, the freestyled one. So yeah, I'm absolutely with you on that one. Um, right, okay, that'll do for part one. Join us in a moment as we continue some of our uh, Manchester City unpopular opinions. Welcome back to the City Report podcast, your home for daily Manchester City content. Um, right, okay, we're going to throw our our two pence in, so to speak, but I'm going to do it without any explanation. So I, I want you two to give me your unpopular opinion, and I don't want any justification. I don't want any context. I want it cold-hearted on the table. Um, so, Andrew, I can, I'll throw you in first. Let's hear what you've got. Older City fans hold former players in too high of a regard as compared to the current generation of players. I, I, I almost asked you a follow-on question, but I'm going to stop myself from doing so. Uh, John, what, what's your unpopular Man City opinion? My unpopular Man City opinion is that a Staley Bridge Celtic centre-half could play at in City's defence for one game in the Premier League and City would have an 80% chance of winning if it was against like a mid-table to, to lower to lower league uh, to kind of lower table opposition. Interesting. Interesting. I was at Staley Bridge over the weekend. Uh, lovely your, your old stomping ground, lovely little lovely little place. Uh, my unpopular opinion then, um which I, I tweeted as well, um would be that the reason City didn't win the 2021 Champions League final wasn't because of the lack of holding midfielder or defensive midfielder, whichever you want to call it. It was an other reason instead, which, of course, I'm not allowed to elaborate on. So um, that is ours. Let's get back to some of the ones that have been submitted then. This is from Joe Green, who, who did a lovely job of putting about four or five in the tweet and it, it it sparks conversations, let's say, but I, I have to say this is probably the most eye-catching of them. Um, at Joe Green said, Tevez was a better player than Aguero. Again, not much context to it. Better football, a better goal scorer, a better dribbler, etc. You can interpret that as you wish, Andrew, but it's a ballsy statement. Yeah, I. there's a part of me that agrees like because the phrase was better player and when i think about tevez his impact all over the pitch for city i think is had a higher level of ability to do that than aguero did for most of his career but the part that holds me back is then seeing what aguero was like under pep guardiola and we saw aguero doing things that he you know previously had not um and then also just, you know, emotionally, like, I love Tevez and, you know, you know, I wish we could have had him longer and at more of his peak, but we didn't. Um, 
and he was also a bit of a crazy person. So I, I, I've compared to all the wonderful things about Sergio Aguero and the fact that I cried when he walked off City's pitch for the last time. So I, I don't know that I can fully back Joe on this. It was interesting. Last week I was on um, Dotson Adebayo and, and Tim Vickery's podcast, which I think is dropping this week. And it was looking back at one of the, the games that meant the most to me. And I, I picked the 2011 FA Cup final. And obviously Tim Vickery being a, a supreme South American football journalist, we were speaking quite a lot about Carlos Tevez. And he made a great point, John, about how, how Tevez's career, while also having disappointed in some aspects in terms of the potential, he's always in almost every aspect possibly until 2015 Juventus when they reached the Champions League final. He's been overshadowed by the new kid, so to speak. So at United, when he was there and with, with Rooney, Ronaldo, Tevez, the season Tevez had his best numbers was the, the season Ronaldo hit something like 30-odd goals in the Premier League, 40-odd goals in all competitions. They, they won the Premier League and the Champions League. At international level, obviously, came a little bit before Lionel Messi. And then Messi comes and he's the man. He's the person who who almost uh, uh, later on in his career evolves to play that role. And, and Tevez alongside, you know, like Gonzalo Higuain, uh, Angel de Maria and um, Aguero himself, who, who later comes at City and overdoes him when Tevez was the man at City. I almost feel sorry for Tevez's legacy a little bit because the talent was there. The attitude, maybe not, but he was a player who thrived when he was the main figure. Aguero comes along in 2012. Obviously, what happens in Bayern, in the Bayern Munich Stadium for the Champions League game happens. He doesn't come back till the end of the season. It's never really the same. He could have been. He could have had a statue himself outside the Etihad. I, I, I'm. I don't agree with Joe, but I can see where he's coming from. Yeah, I can. I can definitely see where he's coming from as well. And I think, you know, it, there's there's a lot of debate right now with, with Erling Haaland as well in terms of him and Harry Kane and that and that comparison going on in terms of who's the better footballer. And there are lots of different levels and questions within that question to be answered. With Tevez, I, I think, yeah, I, I think the timing of his career is potentially the thing that actually makes him underappreciated, as, as you, you've alluded to there, Amos. If he if he moves to City... As the at the age that he was when when he ended up, you know, if he's born like eight years later and ends up moving to City when Pep moved to City, I think under Pep Guardiola, Tevez could have been a top three player in the world uh, in terms of his numbers, but also in terms of uh, his his contribution. His his attitude was was kind of a strange one, and and might might actually be very much related to the dynamic that you've spoken about. That you know his hiatus from City in the 2011-12 season was due to the fact that Mancini would wasn't really kind of treating him like as an elite player when he was on the bench at by against for a Champions League game against Bayern Munich and and he's definitely not the only player who's come out and talked about Mancini's questionable man management skills. So you do wonder if. Tevez played for you know a different coach under uh, at City other than other than Mark Hughes or Roberto Mancini. How different his legacy would be? Is he a different? Is he a better player than Aguero? Very difficult to argue with Aguero's numbers, hmm. but he he definitely could do the things that Aguero did. But also he could do other things too. You know, Aguero's not putting that free kick against Stoke that he scored in, for example. Hmm. Um, but also, them playing together was 
a delight. One of my favorite City games ever is that 6-1 at Norwich in 2011-12, in yeah, yeah. where he and, and, and Tevez got a hat-trick. I think Aguero only, only got one, but they their link-up was, was telepathic that day. And I'm just sad we never got to see as much of that as we potentially could have. Yeah, and on top of that as well, some fantastic celebrations. I remember Tevez coming back and, and giving a good golf swing after his uh, after his hiatus, as you mentioned. Um, right, okay, we're, we're coming towards the end, so I want to try and get as many as we can in before we wrap up. Um, Andrew, this is from Martin Smith. Uh, his words, not mine. Zinchenko is a glorified cheerleader and Ake is a 10 times better left back. Zinchenko gets away with it because he's loud, but in actual fact, he's he's actually awful. Um, again, we, we've got the ballsy statements out. We, we, people have come hard. However, I... Hmm. I love Zinchenko. I thought he was fantastic for City. He played that deputy role superbly, especially with, with Cancelo. He offered a left foot when Cancelo was obviously a right footer playing left back. However, I feel like perhaps history has been kind to Zinchenko's City career because of the problems City have had in that position this year. However, Nathan Ake has, has done a superb job and if it's a case of who I would rather in that position for a game against Liverpool, let's say on Saturday... I think I go. I think I go Nathan Ake. Oh, one thousand percent. I'm taking Nathan Ake over Zinchenko. I love Zinchenko. One of the reasons I'm okay if City don't pull the league back is that you know Zinchenko and Jesus are both players that I really like as human beings and want to see do well. But I think the biggest aspect we miss of Zinchenko is not his impact on the pitch, but the role he played in the locker room as a quote unquote mm. glue guy. And for me, I think Nathan Ake is a far superior footballer than Alexander Zincheco is, particularly, I think, in the position of left back. Sticking with left back then, John, um, this from Kunroll9. Cancelo should be a City player in September 2023. So I think what they're alluding to there is after the summer transfer window is shut, Cancelo should still be on City's box and presumably in the squad. It, it depends on whether or not. So, so selling Cancelo outright to somebody, I'm not super on board with that necessarily. Cancelo is in part exchange for one of Bayern's top players that that could you know make make City better or somebody else's top players that that that, that could improve City. Then I'm more on board with that. Um, I'm hopeful that this time with with Bayern will help Zhao to realize that the grass isn't always greener and that not and, and a lone move was actually really shrewd from City's perspective that, that helped him get his head sorted and, and recognize the you know how many how many people would how much so many people would give to to be in his position where he gets to you know play for City more more weeks than he doesn't. Uh so hope, hopefully that that will be the case. Um I I think the swiftness that he was moved out, out to Bayern is going to help if that is the case and, and hopefully that was in City's mind when they 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 made that move and hopefully, you know, Pep and the management team will will would be on board with that as well. That being said, if it's if it's not going to happen, if if Cancelo is still of the same mind, then 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 yeah, we we have, we have to get what we can for him. 
Tuchel, Cancelo, Sane, Mane, all to come in the Champions League. I'm already having shivers. Um, right, okay, Andrew, we'll wrap up. And, and what I'll do is, with the pair of you, I'll just read off some more. No no discussions, just yes, no, if you agree or not. Um, we'll start off fairly tame. Scott Page, Gundogan needs to stay for a few more years. Andrew, you can take that first of all. No. Um, John... Michael Murphy, any player who wants to leave should be allowed to do so without trying to convince them to say, regardless of who the player is. Agree. Andrew, Cole Palmer is just a regular run of games away from being an elite footballer. Uh, no. John, Bernardo Silva is a liability. Disagree. Andrew, Ortega is City's best goalkeeper on this squad at the moment. Ha! <laughs> um, John Ruben Diaz will prove a liability in the long run Laporte is the real deal and his contract should be renewed not Diaz's John has lost connection <laughs> <laughs> um, Andrew Sammy Nasri doesn't get enough credit him and David Silva uh, gave us a, a title under Pellegrini agree um, and let's finish with this one for you, John. King Cladzi wasn't all that, and in reality, he probably made the team worse. Outrageous. Just completely <laughs> heads gone. Must have been several drinks deep when mm. he handed that he handed that phone to his United supporting mate, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, Andy Appleby, if you're wondering. Um, right, chaps, that was that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. We've, we've rattled off a little over half an hour. I reckon we could have gone for about another hour. But, Andrew, thank you very much. Cheers. John, thank you very much. Cheers, Amos. And as always, stick around for the rest of the week. Plenty of stuff to come, especially towards the end of the week. We'll start looking ahead to Liverpool on the City Report podcast. Until next time, it's been an absolute pleasure and we'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end of season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talksport Fan Network. Talksport. Powered. By fans.